0: and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 91, Breaking Up is Hard to Do, recorded April 21st, 2013, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. No, don't panic, we're not breaking up. Mom and dad are just discussing, kids. It's not a fight. Um, (laughs) Tonight's show is about what to do when your favorite distro goes away. It's and I was sad. It's something we've all had to deal with, and uh, a bit of recent news has brought this to mind. So that's what we're going to talk about eventually when we get around to it. And uh, with me, as there? always, to do that is the great one, Mr. Command Line Godfather, Mr. Chris Neves.
1: Hi, Chris. Hello, hello, hello. How's everyone going today?
0: Good, good. And, and uh, to to balance to the force, as I always say, the, uh, the gooey to the command line, Mr. Gooey Kid
2: Seth. Anderson, hiya Seth. Hey Mark, and welcome to the Element Opie oh, Faithful.
0: Speaking of balance to the force, force, have you seen that uh, YouTube video of Patton Oswalt going off uh, about the new plot of the new Star Trek Star Wars movie? Uh-huh. I did. Uh-huh. I haven't seen it. Uh, it. was they released it on. He's on this that show P- Parks and Recreation either this week or last week. I don't watch the show, but uh, basically the scene was you have to filibuster. Uh, the city council meeting and at the point where you start filibustering there is no script just go just be Patton Oswald and be awesome and so he did and he laid out his uh, plot for the latest J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams uh, star, star Wars movie and he goes on for like eight and a half minutes totally off the cuff totally improv one long shot no cutaways and it it's bizarre and brilliant and totally worth the eight minute watch. So that's all I had to say. <laughs> yeah, about that.
2: there's not like for me, for me there wasn't a whole bunch of laughs at it, but it it kind of built the absurdity built and it was hilarious <laughs> at the end. But there wasn't anything that I stopped and laughed at. But it, it was very funny and well, well, well worth the watch. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, and you have to if you're a comic book nerd, it helps a lot. Uh, a lot of his references I, I was a bit lost on because I'm not a comic book nerd, um, but I'm sure our friend Aaron was rolling at it, but anyway. Uh,
1: well, and that's that's how comic book nerds are anyway. They catch all those inside jokes anyway, so. Hey,
0: one of you guys, while I'm uh, doing my thing here, go throw that link in the notes, and and we'll put it in there just as a little bonus material. Um <sighs>
2: See if I can find it, because I had deleted it. <laughs> Maybe. But luckily, with Google, nothing's ever actually deleted with Gmail. And nothing's ever actually
0: private. That's a problem. Uh, well, so that anyway, too. Um, I, I just just a, a quick little thing I posted on, on Google Plus today. You know, I mentioned my my coffee experiments last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. After uh, several... Test runs and, and and trying different mediums and and uh, experimenting with uh, laboratory grade equipment and and various um, processes, I can now confirm that the single best filter to use when uh, filtering coffee is in fact a coffee filter <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you, you really you don't say there, mark really? I, I, I kept a thinking you know filter? surely
0: these cheap little you know a hundred for a buck. Coffee filters can't be the best way to do it. it turns out, you know, they kind of knew what they were doing. Uh, I tried uh, several different variations of of laboratory grade filter paper, the the uh, uh, what the folded kind. I forget what they call it, fluted maybe, uh, and then the flat kind, and and doubling up and and having it, and um, it just turns out that the best thing to use is a couple of cheap coffee filters stacked on top of each other. So there you go. There's a little bit of um, not news for you.
2: Well, no, you just confirmed. So, the news is confirmation of a long-held hypothesis. Yes. So Myth it has confirmed. Been confirmed. Yes. I don't know. Did you try everything, you know, the paper towels, the uh, the clean underwear, all that kind of stuff?
0: <laughs> no, no. And I, and no, I didn't okay.
2: try the, the permanent screen filter either. So you know,
1: That's I, the one I always was curious about. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I would think that doesn't work all that great personally because… When I do my tea, the metal filters never actually keep all the tea pieces right. in. So I would think it'd be close to the same idea. So right. Seth, well,
0: how how goes the running while we're on the subject of not
2: running? Well, I, um, let, you know, last week I ran an hour over, uh, actually ended up being a little over an hour on my three days combined. And, uh, so this week I started off with 25 minutes on Monday. I did that. And then Wednesday, I was just an idiot, and I decided, I'm not going to do 26, I'm going to do 30, and so I jogged for 30 minutes, and I survived, and Friday, I just decided, ha I'm invincible, and I'll do 35. Well, I did 35, but I, uh, I stopped and walked some brief distances, but I stopped my time, too, so I got my actual 35 minutes of jogging, so I jogged for an hour and a half this past week. Something is weird with me, and... Um, they were there was a, a local 5k here, uh, on Saturday, and I didn't find out about it till like Wednesday night. And I was debating, I kind of want to do it, but I don't know if I'm ready. I kind of want to do it, if I, but I don't know if I'm ready. And so Thursday, so Friday, I just made the choice and I went out and jogged by myself, and uh, now, I come to find out there's another one this week. I guess they're just they're they're popping up all over the place now. There's another one coming up locally, um it's actually the Salt Festival 5K run that I'm thinking about doing this Saturday. Uh I mean, I know I can walk run it, but you know, I just want to see if I can run it and maybe get a good baseline so the one I do in May, you know, I'll just I'll be more prepared for. So I'm like I say i am I'm, I'm weird i'm turning into that guy who talks about running and jogging all the time and uh you know and if, if you look at me you know if, if you if you last saw me a year and a half ago and you looked at me you would go oh my gosh seth you have cancer you've lost so much weight and then you know but if you're somebody who's just seeing me for the first time you're thinking you fat slob why right are you trying yeah. to run <laughs> so uh but yeah so i'm 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 losing weight uh still. And I'm, it's just weird. You know, like my eyes are bigger than my stomach now. I can't eat near as much as I used to. And when I try, I literally get sick either late that night or the next morning. So man, this, this getting healthy is just weird stuff. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I was, I was commenting on our, uh, the other show that we used to do one meal, one workout. And that was, uh, that my goal is to lose 200 pounds to be overweight. At, at the wow. point where I lose two hundred pounds, I will be overweight, um, and I, you know, that that's kind of crazy, but that's the truth.
1: But you, it's it's a goal, and it's a yeah. good goal.
0: Yeah, and somebody said the other day, um, I, I, "What was the phrase?" Because it made me laugh. It literally made me laugh. It was something to the effect of, "Oh yeah, Mark is going to waste away to nothing." I still weigh like four hundred and sixteen <laughs> pounds. Right, I'm nowhere near wasting away to nothing. But, uh, you know, the, the, the weight loss has been fairly dramatic down from over 500 pounds, um, right? but it, you know, it just made me laugh. I, uh, in, in maybe, I don't know, seven years, I will waste away to nothing. Uh, it's not going to be a rapid process, uh, but thank you for your concern.
2: Yeah. My goal this year is by the end of the year to be in the two hundreds. So, um, you know, I started the year in the low three thirties and, um, I figure, you know, nice slow pace. If I can be down in the two hundreds at some point this year, I will have considered that a very good, a very respectable year of weight loss. So, and my long term goal is getting under an eighth of a ton. So, <laughs> so fat guys out there, you can do it.
0: It's uh, it's not slow. I mean, it's not fast and it's not easy. It's slow and it's hard, but uh, you can do it. And that's and that's it's all I got to say it. about that. Uh, Seth, what is this? Don't tell,
2: tell me it's not so. Do do you have a do you have a cell phone now? Well, I have a cell phone, but you know it's a dumb phone. Yeah. Do you, do no. you have
0: a, a something other than your Motorola flip phone?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I have a I have a, it's a Samsung prepaid. Thing that uh, has it it's uh, i guess it's what's called a feature phone rather than an actual smartphone but it has apps you could use if you want and you can kind of get on the internet sometimes uh, <laughs>
0: okay so you just stepped but, into the late 90s
2: no 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 i have a motorola oh. transformer tablet asus so uh yeah oh, yeah sorry asus transformer tablet the original that, uh,
0: one or the transformer two three tf300 oh
2: so the I transformer don't know if, three no, oh, is it th- is it Ooh. the three? Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's really cool. Um I house set for somebody and you know, and I didn't just get to use their super high speed internet, their fifty inch TV and uh, Netflix and you know, all the movie packages. They paid me as well and part of the payment was giving me that tablet. So I'm kind of setting hey, it up hey, awesome. on my own. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really work in my house because, you know, I have to call them every day and complain about my internet not working. But, you know, it's nice to have. So uh, I'm starting to put some apps on it and play with it. step in the mobile direction. It's kind of cool. I guess I'm, yeah, you know, I signed up for Google Play. So that means, you know, all (laughs) all, uh, you know, illusions of privacy are out the window. And all uh, your base are belong to us. Yeah, I'm going to have to turn in my tinfoil visor, and uh, I'm kind of sad about that.
0: I have the original uh, Asus Transformer, the TF100, uh, and I like it. It is a solid machine, it's very high quality. Um, I, I don't have a lot of practical use for it. The, the reality is, most of the time, I use it as a podcast player. Um, right. You know, that you could buy an $80 device at, at Walmart for. Uh, but. It's a great device. I, I just don't have a, a need for it. Most of the time, I'm either on a laptop or a, a real computer. Well, actually, everything I do is a laptop. At work, I use a laptop. Here, I use a laptop. Um, and the tablet just doesn't really have a place in my life. But it's a great machine either way.
2: Yeah, I don't have... I need to get... Uh- a power plug for it because they didn't have one. So they gave me an old iPhone plug. So it'll charge it, but it won't it charges it very slowly. And if it's on, it doesn't charge. So I need to buy one of those and I need to get the keyboard attachment slash extra battery for it. I'm oh you don't you know, have it,
0: the keyboard? Yeah that's the in my opinion that's what really makes that device.
2: Yeah. But otherwise, you know it's a tablet and I I can yeah. bring it up and it's got like a they they purchased a full featured office program to go on it, you know, and uh, Polaris Office. Polari- yeah,
0: yeah, that comes with it. They didn't purchase it. Oh. That. that comes with it.
2: Oh, really? Oh, sweet. So I was. That's one of the reasons I hadn't just reset it to factory specs is because you know I didn't want to sign in with my stuff and lose all that, but. Cool. I might have to do that. So yeah, you know, unless there's somebody out there who just loves the podcast so much and wants to buy me uh, a power plug and a keyboard, I will let you. Otherwise, it'll take me a while to piece those things together.
0: All right. Um, Chris, what's going on in your life
1: this week? (laughs) Well, this weekend, I played a single dad for a couple of days, which wasn't a bad thing. Me and the kid, we turned off almost all the computers in the house. And we just sat around and did, you know, whatever the kids wanted to do. So it was just me and my two kids. Uh, The main reason is, is my wife disappeared for a lovely Taekwondo tournament. And uh, she was invited slash told she will go. And when when your fourth degree master instructor says, you're going, uh, you just say, yes, ma'am. And away you go. So, uh, yeah. But on the plus side. Uh, she was up there. She just got her black belt, you know, towards the beginning of the year. So this is her first tournament. Um, she didn't do too good in forms, but she did take first in black belt level board breaking. Which, if anyone has ever done martial arts, to say you took a first place at a very large tournament and at black belt level, that's impressive. So my hat's off to my wife. She did a bang up job and And didn't get hurt.
0: And you're saying yes, ma'am, with just a little more gusto these days.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Uh even though she does outrank me, I still have a little more dirty tricks out of my in the back of my pocket. <laughs> I have a few more I, I have a few more years of experience than she does.
0: You know, I used to, to work I, won't in, tell her that. I used to work <laughs> in schools and, and uh I don't know how the the topic came up, but we had this old uh auto shop teacher. Old guy, uh late seventies at least uh still strong as a bull and and he was sort of poy fighting with one of the high school boys one day a uh, big strapping football player and uh the the kids were taking bets on who could win in a fight and i said boys my money's always on the old guy cuz you kids haven't learned the art of fighting dirty yet so no no matter what always bet on the old guy
1: yep my father-in-law has a perfect seeing for that I'm older, and I don't play fair. That's right. It works. Yeah.
0: That, that whole honorable fight thing, and, and no, none of that. I'm going to bring what, whatever equalizer
2: I have to to do the trick. Yeah, we're not Whatever's stepping it? in a ring. We're in the back alley.
1: <laughs> there you go. No Marcus. Well, yeah, whatever preferable. Whatever trick's in my back pocket, they will definitely come to bear if needed to be. All right. Plus well, the eight years of martial arts experience. You know, that's all. Even Eight, I am
0: amazed at some of the directions our, our conversations go. It it really does. <laughs> it amazes me. Um, but it's fun. Anyone ever heard of the Free Desktop Summit? Yes. Oh, okay, one of us. So one of the three people on the show has heard of the Free Desktop Summit. So, Chris, what
1: have, had
2: you heard about it?
1: I heard it's a place where all the different desktop environments go to try and triage some stuff together um most of the time it ends up in backbiting but
0: that's Imagine what i always hear that. about it linux geeks disagreeing with each other i'm shocked i'm shocked
2: yeah you know one of the funniest uh cartoons i ever saw it was just a one little panel and there was a banner hanging across in the background that said you know date you know um mac PC standardization conference and the caption just said day three and it was showing these two guys like fighting and swinging keyboards and punches at each other it was like one of the funniest <laughs> uh, funniest things I'd ever seen so I still remember it to this day but yeah two no desktops the
1: uh, <laughs> enter, one, only one shall leave <laughs> yeah
2: yeah not the Hunger Games the desktop games no apparently uh it took place in uh nuremberg germany and from april the 11th to the 16th so uh while americans were preoccupied with all their last minute federal income taxes uh people from gnome kde unity and razor qt got together to discuss how to impo- improve collaboration between their respective projects and basically they came up with a format uh dot desktop and then the free .org trash specification was changed so it took them Five days to basically do those two things. Anyway, I just thought, you know, I I had never heard of them before I came across this news article, and I just wanted to share it out there that, you know, we lament how all the different desktops are so different. Well, apparently, so do the different desktops, and they like to get together and brag about their strengths and try to figure out how to make everybody more like themselves, I guess.
1: (laughs) Well, and a lot of times, what comes after the free desktop summits is that they, the, you know, it's right now. These ones are four, but there's I, there's been five, if I remember right, um, in previous ones. But they'll they'll go off and they'll have their own conferences later. And because of what they decided on at the Free Desktop Summit, they change their desktops accordingly. Right. So w- we should see changes in GNOME, KDE, Unity, and, and uh, in it Razer uh, down Qt. Yeah, yeah, the the Qt Summit or the Qt uh, framework uh we should see something from them down the road uh, i don't know if, what it's going to be because they usually are pretty tight-lipped about some of that stuff but uh yeah it's it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this summit
0: uh i have a feeling it's going to be a whole lot of people uh saying you suck i don't
2: and <laughs> and i know you are but what am i uh, <laughs> Right, and yeah, we have more market share than you do, and they'll just say, well, that's because you haven't released your latest version yet for everybody to leak." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, anyway, I just, you know, it was just an interesting story, and I wanted to share it because I know the Element OV faithful are dying to know about the state of the Linux desktop. Yes. And so now they know. And because we love numbers,
0: um, wow. PC World uh, says that open source is eating the software world don't really know what that means but i think it's a good thing
2: yeah um it was just uh an article talking you know we covered a little bit ago a couple of shows ago now the report that enterprise use of linux is growing and growing uh but on wednesday so this would have been about a week or a week ago by the time this show comes out Uh, more data came out that suggests that the same is true of open source software in general. So not just so much, you know, Linux in the back office, but more open source projects. And of course, you know, there's some poster boys like the, you have the whole open office, Libre office thing, but it was just more went into the kind of um, some of the reasons that open source is doing good in their thing. Um, Like for example, Freedom from Lock-in dropped to number two Uh, in the list of why open source is important and quality of open source products was actually named the most important factor behind open source adoption. And I think that really speaks to, you know, before it was like open source was, you couldn't afford Microsoft Office. So you wanted to find something that could kind of get some of the stuff done. And, you know, and, and a lot is for a while, the open, uh, the open source browsers, they weren't quite as good as the Internet Explorer, but they really come of age, and they're now, the quality in open source products is on par, if not better. And in one way, it's faster is that because if there's a problem in open source, you're not waiting for the patch to come out, but it can be – it's fixed usually right away. So, and, um, and
0: just two years ago in that same survey – uh, better quality software was the number five reason for right. people to use open source, yep. and so the, the, either the software has gotten better, which I really don't think that's the case, or the perception of the software's value has improved. Uh, I and think that's where I would say it is. Yeah, I think people who didn't use it said it's not better, and then they started using it for to get away from vendor lock-in or to or to lower costs, and then went oh, this is actually
2: really good. Well, no, I think a lot of it is actually better. You know, look at where OpenOffice was a few years ago. It was it was competent, but, you know, LibreOffice, I think, is much better now than OpenOffice, but it's really, really good and really solid. So it, the perception is out there because it's being used more, but I, I do think a lot of it is better now. It starts out kind of not so good, but it builds, it gets good a lot faster than proprietary software.
0: Yeah, and well, clearly the Unity it. desktop has gotten a lot better in the last couple of years. So that's a perfect example of that. <laughs>
1: no, yeah. no, don't even say that word around me, please. That, 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 that month still has given me nightmares. Post-traumatic
0: <laughs> oh, uh, stress disorder.
1: Oh, it's horrible. I hear the word unity and I kind of twitch. So, ugh. Uh, I was going to say, if we're going to beat down the open office, uh, the open office suite, though, I think it got much better when they after they forked it and LibreOffice started getting updates. Man, yeah. that it, it's just amazing how much faster that the Libre team has changed for the better. The LibreOffice suite over what um, Oracle and whoever had, or, and Java Sun had it before them, right? For open right. office, yeah, they they were really slow in development. So it's I'm really impressed with how fast the LibreOffice team is really getting behind their product and really pushing forth to have a really good and solid distribution of their of their software. Before you know, in my opinion, right now it's the only contender to Microsoft Office. Um, Google Docs is close, but you know, if you're talking straight out office management or office suite. You know, LibreOffice Office is hands down the winner in my book right now.
0: Another thing I find interesting, and, and again, this is a survey of business executives, not necessarily uh, the people in the know, not not the people in the trenches, but it's it's a survey of executives. But one of their their number their number one listed reason now uh, where open source is is leading is in innovation, which is is fascinating because it was just you know two maybe three years ago. The the clarion call among uh, business executives was uh, open source does nothing but imitate. Uh, and now they're beginning to see that that there is real innovation.
2: Yeah, and really, yeah, especially like in the browsers, I think. The open source browsers really innovate and Microsoft and you know, they play catch up hey look what they did that looks pretty good let's uh let's try throwing that in there so yeah innovation of open source And of course, you know, the proprietary people, they innovate as well. It just takes them so much longer because you got a quality check and review and all this other kind of stuff and it goes on behind closed doors and you don't want anybody to know because they'll steal your ideas. But while they're thinking about it, some other people thought about it in the open source world probably at the same time or a little bit later, but they jumped on it and did it and got it out there. And so they they beat them to the market, so to speak.
0: And then one other thing, and then we'll we'll get off of the story is uh, it's that talks here about the fact that there are way more open source projects being started Uh, because it has gotten so quick and easy to to iterate a new idea uh, if you do it in an open source format um, there the the numbers are climbing pretty dramatically because people can get out they can they can spin something up uh, an infrastructure really easily using an open source uh, product and then they can open source their product and and get some code and get some immediate feedback, um, and so what you're seeing is is the numbers are rising dramatically and and as I you know often point out in uh, like uh, I, I iPhone and, and Android apps numbers don't necessarily mean quality I mean how many fart apps do you need uh, but the the fact is that there people are uh, projects are spinning up and finding their their good ideas or failing. Uh, because they should fail more quickly, and it's taking less time for that to happen. And so I really think the, the the cream is rising to the top
2: in that. Yeah, you still have a bar that you have to cross over for quality to succeed, but the bar of entry-level costs exactly. is really not there. So you can start out an open-source product, project for next to nothing and you know and if you can stick with it you can build it up to something good whereas you know you don't need the venture capital and all that other kind of stuff to get a a proprietary product off the ground so
1: i would say that the the also the fact that we have more and more places like sourceforge and github and ec2 things that are cheap to let people spin up multiple versions or to keep track of version control better that has helped a lot too and one of the things that makes it easier to to spin up a new project uh, is
0: OpenStack, uh, where you can have a a, a free uh, open source, fully uh, enterprise grade uh, platform upon which you sit your uh, service at no cost, uh, and and the no everybody's taking note of that, including the federal government and uh, the National Security Administration, the the black hats of the black hats. No, not black hats. The black White. cloaks, the the cloak and dagger, the what was the the ghosts? I'm trying to. I, I lost what I was going to say. Spooks. But anyway, um, the 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 really secret guys um, spooks ha, have they they're using open source OpenStack too, uh, but they yep. have decided that uh, there's some things that it doesn't quite. Yeah, Men in Black. That's what I was looking for, Daudel. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, they were. Uh, they they have begun to or to talk about. They haven't released any of it yet, but they've begun to talk about some of the security enhancements that they've made to OpenStack, and, and said that in the future they will release those back into the into the public uh, once they've probably gotten something even better, so that they're okay with with releasing. But that's interesting. The NSA uh, starts giving back to OpenStack.
2: Well, yeah, awesome, in much the too. same way that Se Linux. Was originally in a, the NSA's work with Linux, so um, you know, and now that's a that's a that's a core in many Linux distros out there, such as you know Red Hat, um, and that's an example of where the NSA's involvement with Linux resulted in SE Linux, which is a great way to help secure your OS.
0: Yeah, so I leave think it on. It'll
2: probably yeah, it'll be much the same way with uh, Open Cloud. You'll have like secure. Right. open cloud or par- yeah, the, 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 the cloud or author something.
0: of the article is calling it se open stack um you know just to yeah. have something and, and and i think that's great it, it can only be a good thing uh when something that is agile and and powerful becomes more secure so yeah right awesome and uh you know for you guys out there who or worried about the government agents sneaking back doors into stuff one of the great things about open source and one of the things that makes it secure is that you you can't do that you, the code is open anybody can look at it and that's why for example uh, the NSA likes using Linux and likes using OpenStack because they know what's there if they if yep. they're using proprietary code from even a company they trust you know be it Microsoft or Oracle or whatever they can't necessarily know exactly what's in there. Right. But with open source, they can see it, and they can have some of the best minds in the world um, reading through that code and, and yep. looking for, you know, anything
2: wonky.
1: And beating on it and sure, making sure it doesn't have buffer overflows or anything else.
2: Yeah, and if not the best minds in the world, at least some underpaid interns.
0: Yeah, at least some of the best minds <laughs> that they could afford away from Google.
2: Right. Uh, <laughs> right.
0: And uh, Microsoft has also been making noise about getting into the... the uh, open source community and and a spinoff company they created just turned a year old of course we don't really know what they do or what they've been up
2: to for the last year but yay yeah um microsoft has a project, has a company called the OutCurve Foundation that has been around for quite a while. And it does, uh, they don't really have much control over it. They kind of ship some projects over to them. And then a lot of the work isn't done by Microsoft employees. And so they don't really have any control over it. And they thought that was such a good way of doing things. They created Microsoft Open Technologies, which they retain control of. And it's pretty much done by Microsoft people on Microsoft's clock. And it just turned a year old and um, couldn't really point to a project that yeah. they've done or worked on because <laughs> nobody knows. But, you know, whatever they're
0: doing that we don't know about, it's open, though. Right. We just but don't know
2: that it's open. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of it, you know, like Microsoft is one of the top and it's been a while we covered the story they're one of the top what was it 10 contributors to the linux kernel right um you know that could come out of places like this that you know they don't really to that you know or maybe the same people who did that is what was rolled over into this open technologies i really don't know but anyway so that's just an example of well, anyway it's an open source story and i threw it out there for everybody to bash <laughs> microsoft about because we like to do that on this show
0: well, you know, when Microsoft oh, embraces openness, that's that's not a bad thing. Uh, I remember a, a joke product I saw on Amazon a few years ago. It was called Microsoft Linux, and it was a you know they had tux on it with the Microsoft logo, and it was uh, uh, the price was like uh, three hundred and forty nine dollars, you know, for their open source product, um, right? And it the reviews of it were awesome. It was like I I, I didn't even have to install it. Just thinking about it, uh, set up an entire network. Uh, at my office, uh, it was, <laughs> I love those joke reviews on Amazon. You, yeah. you know,
2: spe- speaking of joke reviews, have you ever read the uh, Bic, uh Shaver for Women reviews?
0: It doesn't sound funny uh, on on
2: Amazon. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they are some funny, funny things. Um, anyway, it was a George Takai comment on Facebook that I saw, and then I went over and read some of them, and they were awesome. So, if you, if you want to read some funny stuff. Go to Amazon and, um, you know, look up the uh, big women's big shaver for women and then just go through some of the reviews. They are hilarious.
0: And while we're Mm, on the topic of Microsoft, they have signed a patent deal with Foxconn. Foxconn makes pretty much every piece of electronic equipment you own. Um, And Microsoft has basically signed a deal that says we won't sue you for building products for Amazon. I mean, for Android. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm sure there was, you know, they're probably getting a kickback. Again, this is the largest uh, manufacturer of products. They make the iPhone. Uh, They make many Android phones. Um, They make many, uh, uh, they make all of Intel's boards. If it's an Intel board, it was made by Foxconn. Uh, So they're probably getting a a minuscule kickback off of those, Uh, uh, you know, a fraction of a penny. But when you deal with that many numbers they're getting a lot of money over agreeing not to sue. That's that's my take on it.
2: Yeah, and that's that's what they said is that they are they're protecting their consumer or their customers from uh from possible patent lawsuits by Microsoft. And one of the funny things of the article is there's a tech uh consultant group that says Microsoft is likely to earn several times more money through its Android patents than it does from licenses for its own Windows Phone system. Yeah, I just thought I that's thought that sad. was funny, but, but yeah, it is kind of sad. But yeah, no, they um they make up to forty percent of the um, of the product in the electronics market. So that's a humongously large number for one company, I think, because if you think about how much electronics there are, and uh, so they did this, but one of the things I learned is that apparently you can't, it's against the patent law to collect the same patent or collect on the same patent twice. So if one of Foxconn's subsidiary or customers already has a patent deal with Microsoft, I don't know how they're going to arrange that, but it's against the law for the, for Microsoft to correct, collect royalties from, from Foxconn and the other company. So, uh, you know, that's going to be a headache for somebody, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, but it's a headache worth having monetarily. Because, you know, if Microsoft can't make money off a Windows phone, they've got to make it off of Android phones. And and Nokia's uh, quarterly results uh, show that they are not making money off a Windows
2: phone. Yeah, Yeah, in their first quarter of this this year, Nokia sold a total of... 6.1 6.1 million devices of which half a million were Symbian devices so apparently there's still a market out there for Symbian phones um that leaves about you know just over five and a half and a large percentage of those were windows 7 so windows 8 i mean whenever whenever it was non-existent you know we sold one last quarter so 100 this quarter is a huge markup but it's um Nokia is just dying, and they're dying a slow, painful death. And if you look at their chart, once they announced the Microsoft deal, it's kind of like they had this thing that was kind of going up, uh, trending up, and then they announced the Microsoft deal, and it's been a rather sharp turn down. So (laughs) The bottom fell out. Yep. But you know they threw their they threw their thing in with Microsoft, and apparently you know we talked about it some last week. They're great phones, just nobody has them and nobody right. wants them. But apparently they're really good.
0: And Nokia so. is not the only people uh, whining about Microsoft this day, uh, uh, this day, this week. Uh, two uh, unnamed uh, OEMs for um, computers said, "Quote: Windows 8 has caused millions of customers to switch." to Apple, and that Windows 8 is, quote, destroying the PC industry.
1: Well, that's about right. That's about the worst operating system I've ever touched in my life. Worse than um, Unity? Yes. I would actually <laughs> rather I would rather have Windows 8 than Unity. Isn't that horrible? Um, because then I could format it and put Fedora on it with KDE. But anyway.
0: <laughs> wait, wait. Say, I think you said that backwards. You would rather have Unity than Windows 8?
1: Uh yes. Okay. Yes. But like I said then I could just slap KDE on it <laughs> behind this fact and be done with it anyway. But uh yeah, that I've had my home business has done a couple of Windows 8 installs and out of the 4 that I've done in the last month, 3 of them has said I want Windows 7 back and is willing to pay me to wipe off Windows 8. They bought a version of Windows 7 and is going to put it back and is going to put it on. Yeah. So that's pretty bad when 3 quarters of of sales say give me back Windows 7. But that's
2: if sad. you do any more Windows 8 uh installs Chris, go to 9 and download the classic start menu. I did that. I did that. Really? And really?
1: Yeah. Huh no <laughs> it was that bad the, the the taste was so bad in their mouth they i because i i did the midnight after the fact i, I gave him windows and i said if you don't like it let me know there's a couple of things we can do to change it and the the taste was so bad that they said no I, even with that little start hack button thing i don't want it give me back my Windows seven
2: well that's why i say when the when you first do it go and put that on there because when you put that on there and you can even do the, you know, Windows, they have this great idea if you move your mouse into like, whoops, sorry, if you move your mouse into like the upper right hand corner to hit the X, well, that also brings over the little charms button or the charms yep. bar. So, but you can disable that with that a classic start menu. So you can disable yeah. all that stuff and basically have a leaner, meaner, faster Windows 7 machine with the option to switch to Metro if you want, you know, if you want to punish your child or something. <laughs> so that's about but, right. Um,
0: Samsung yeah. executive said earlier in the year, uh, quote, uh, Windows 8 is no better than Vista. Well, the CFO of Asus said the demand for Windows
2: 8 is not good right now. <laughs> yeah, those are understatements, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Of course, one of the things is in order to be a PC, you have to have an attached keyboard. So of course, you know, the Windows tablets with the separate keyboards, those technically don't qualify as PCs. So that would be a minute, tiny adjustment in the numbers, but like I say, minute because I've never seen a Windows eight tablet in the wild. Um I'm sure they are there, you know, they spend enough money on commercials where somebody would buy one. But Yeah, but
0: when the I, only thing you have to talk about in your commercials is the fact that it clicks, we have an issue. <laughs> Hmm. You know, Microsoft has has not been the best at marketing, but they've had some really good ads. They had the IBM PC ads where they had right, the, yep. you know the astronaut and the little girl. Those were great ads, and they had the the Mojave ads that basically said you're all morons. But at least they were good ads. their Their Windows 8 ads are click. That's the whole ad. That's all we're gonna we're gonna gonna click this keyboard on several thousand times in a minute, and people will run out and buy our product. You they've given the the, they haven't given anybody any reason to buy it. You know, yeah. despite the fact that it may leave a bad taste in some people's mouth, or that we fear change, I, I always picture the that scene in Wayne's World where Garth has the mechanical hand and he's pounding on it, saying, "We fear change." Um, right. You know, I think some of the reaction, I think a lot of the reaction to Windows 8 is simply that it's just people don't like change, they don't want things foisted upon them. But but Microsoft has done nothing to alleviate that. They've never, they haven't said this is a good product. Here's why it's a good product. Here's why you should buy it. All they've said is it clicks.
1: Well, there's that, and there's also the news going around right now. Um, I don't have an, the link for it, but I did notice a couple of different news news places was saying that Windows One or Windows Blue, yeah. as it's been called, 8.1. is going to go back to the classic start menu and do away with the Metro s- system.
2: Yeah, I mean, and again, if you have a tablet, I could see where having the Metro interface would be good, but since you don't have a tablet, you have a laptop or a desktop, and you you're trying to a use choice. a mouse, it it <laughs> it sucks. And that's the nicest I can say. There, there's the only redeeming quality on Metro is I don't know, but I'm sure it has some <laughs> redeeming qualities. Um, anybody no, in the chat um, room know of a redeeming there, quality for Metro? Okay.
0: so I can hear people yelling at their podcast players right this moment, stop talking about Microsoft. This is a Linux podcast. Get off of Microsoft. So fine. No more Microsoft. Let's talk about Apple. It's
1: fun to bash.
0: Um, It's fun to bash. Apple has uh, recently responded to some questions. How long does Siri hang on to your voice searches? And the answer may surprise you. Too long? (laughs) Two years.
2: Wow. Six,
0: Six months after you make a, uh, a voice search, they disassociate the number from the recording. And so they, they quote, forget who, who, who recorded it, but they keep the recording for another 18 months. So two years when you said, you know, all those people who were playing around with Siri saying open the Pod Bay Doors series, that was being, that is being kept for two years on Apple servers.
1: Yeah. Isn't that nice?
2: Uh, it is. Um, I'm sure it was... I don't understand why they would need to keep it that long, but, um, I mean, and supposedly they create a random number to represent the user. And that random number is not supposed to be associated with your Apple ID or email address, but I I don't see how it's not, um, you know, you only have Apple's word to, um, Apple's word to take on that. And of course, we all know what an awesome, trustworthy company Apple is and how they have their end users' best interests at heart. So take heart. It'd they said funny. it's not.
1: You yeah. know, it would be really funny is to go back and say three years and they accidentally, somebody breaks into the Siri vault and releases all of the recordings that Siri has got captured. Now, obviously, there's going to be people's numbers that are attached to it anymore at that point. But uh, imagine all the funny and weird things that Siri has recorded right? in the time it's still you know, it alive.
0: Hey, Siri, that, where can yeah. I get a rub and a tug around here?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a cool thing Apple could do is, you know, if they, if they put a website up and they just, you know, random Siri questions, and you could go click on it and hear stuff like, you know, Siri, what's the temperature in Portland, Oregon today? Siri, how do I find the bathroom? You know, just you could click on it and j- just hear some. I think that would be awesome. I would love to go do that
1: one. It would be comedy gold. It would.
0: You know? Siri, where's the nearest hash den?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where's my local drug dealer now?
0: (laughs) Uh, But, you know, realistically speaking, they're not going to keep everybody's recordings for two years. They have to do that. They, They might find some guy with a really bizarre accent that Siri can't figure out. And they're going to keep that sample around so that they can keep trying it against databases and keep hacking on it. And they'll keep that for two years. I mean, let's not, we're having some fun with it, but let's not be stupid. They're not going to keep millions, maybe billions of voice searches on their servers for two years. That's just ridiculous. They're not going to do it. But they have to put out this legal document that says under certain conditions, we may do it, which causes the, the privacy, the tinfoil hat folks going, Siri's keeping everything for two years (laughs) all right sorry just had to bring a little realism to the show i know you guys hate it when i do that but every now and then
2: mark why do we have a show if you're gonna throw realism (laughs) in there i mean golly they can get that at other podcasts you have to pop our bubble why
0: and just to make sure that we're being properly uh, pan global in our podcast let's talk about alibaba the Chinese e-commerce company who's trying to give Android a run for the money with the Amos
1: OS. So that's just what Android (laughs) rebranded? Pretty much.
2: Pretty much, yeah. You remember, um, it was in the news a while back where um, Alibaba was going to be releasing, or Asus was going to be releasing a handset made with Alibaba's OS on it. And basically, the reporters who showed up that day said, oh, sorry, that was canceled. And Google had threatened to stop selling um Asus stuff and, and to block them from being imported into America because they were breaking the agreements because Alibaba's OS was pretty much a hack of Android and they weren't being compatible they were just kind of stealing the best of it and so so like what Amazon a, did yeah uh, kind of well but Am- <laughs> um, yeah pretty much yeah. I guess well but Amazon that's what says, happens
0: when you release your open si- uh, your operating system as open source you allow people to do that.
2: Right. But, you know, Amazon says, hey, we're running Android, but we're running a customized version of Android, whereas Alibaba said, no, this is yeah, our OS. We, we wrote this. We, Every know, bit of this code. This is ours. Yeah. It's GE email yeah. and Schmeagle <laughs> search and, and it's stuff it's like not that.
0: open source, so you can't look at it. We just right. we wrote it. So that's what they're really mad about. They're accusing them of closing open source code.
2: Right. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, China became uh the world's biggest smartphone market last year that they passed the US and you know since they have like three to four times our population it was only a matter of time and android accounts for 90.1% of their market in the last uh July to September quarter i mean think about that 90% of their smartphone market is android and so the chinese government thinks that they are too dependent on android and they want to develop their own os uh to be dependent on and you know and they've tried it before you know with the uh ubuntu thing and a few years ago they were going to make one off of free bsd and that never took off so they're um they just don't want to be dependent on android they will want it to be something chinese
0: and you know that that their China is big about that. If they could, right. they would build a big steel wall around the entire continent, and and not let anybody in. They you know they what did Baidu I think is their search engine that is mm-hmm. like the government sanctioned search engine with things heavily redacted and and that's that's the way they like to do things. Uh, right. The trouble is you can't take somebody's work. You know this internationally protected open source work and uh, decide to make it your own. You know, if they if they decided to make their own OS, that would be fine. The trouble is they've called something their own OS that isn't. And that right. obviously yeah. isn't. They're not even doing a very good job of hiding it.
2: Right. Go so and now what Alibaba is doing is they are paying handset uh, vendors to sell their os it's like if you sell a smartphone running iOS, we'll pay you for it uh and so in much the same way that microsoft tried to pay developers to submit phone to submit apps to their windows marketplace to bolster things for windows 8 apps uh that's what alibaba is doing but um we'll we'll see how it works out for them um maybe or maybe it'll die a slow death, and we'll never hear about it again.
0: <laughs> well, either way you put it, it's good to be a coder in this day and age. And we've we've done lots of stories recently about how uh, Linux is is uh, storming the enterprise. We you know we talked today about how uh, open source is winning, and uh, one of the best things you can that you can do for your own career is to learn to run and administrate a Linux server. And it just so happens that our sponsor for this show can help you do that very thing. The LinuxAcademy.com is a website that exists for the sole purpose of teaching you how to run and administrate uh, a Linux server. Uh, They have over 100 uh, step-by-step training videos uh, designed to take you from a beginner to an administrator. Uh, You get your own custom Linux lab server set up that you can run up to eight different distributions in the cloud on Amazon's uh, service, so they're lightning fast. You get PDF study guides and reference sheets, Um, and if you want to try it out, you get your first seven days for free. How about that? You can't argue with that. But not only are they uh, a good company uh, offering a good service, but uh, they really listen to their customers, and in fact, um, they listen to their customers so much that some of you, some of our audience... Have uh, given them some ideas that they're running with in the in the very near future. Um, they're going to offer several new courses available uh, on the on uh, the Linux Academy website, including uh, Amazon Web Services, uh, focusing on how to to scale up your infrastructure. So not just to run a server, but how to uh, to use the Amazon Web Services tools uh, and uh, to to make your platform, like we talked about earlier. OpenStack is good for that. They also are offering uh, new uh, courses on Linux security topics. Again, something we've talked Ooh, about just cool. this week. These are new things that they're just adding at this moment, and because of feedback from one of our listeners uh, who, who said that uh, he, was an Ever- he heard about them through Everyday Linux, they are now offering a DVD for sale. So instead of signing up for their service and using their cloud thing, they will sell you a DVD with all their stuff on it. Virtual box images, pre-configured uh pdfs uh that you can use um that will be uh, for sale tomorrow as of the date of this recording two days ago as of the time uh, it, it's published so you can actually go out and and uh and buy all their stuff and that's uh, that came from one of you guys who said look i don't have the bandwidth uh to to always be streaming this stuff what can we do and so they're doing that. that is
1: awesome yeah. that's a great idea with the yeah, virtual box images, that's that's a images. really cool idea. Yep,
2: I am actually a customer of Linux Academy, and I'm going to look into getting the DVD because, like, I I, I drive up to the church here and I do studying here, but I I can't do it at home, so uh, I'm going to have to look into that. That is awesome to hear. Thank you very much, Alex. They're also improving the quality every day. Uh, they are uh, converting
0: all of their uh, videos to, to HD, uh, so you know not just web quality, 480p, but now you can get it at uh, good old-fashioned HD, so you can watch it on that uh, big monitor while you're experimenting with it, and they're, they're working on being mobile-friendly. Um, one of their, uh, another Everyday Linux listener said, hey, I'd like to watch your videos while I'm working out. So uh, what can I do idea. on that? So they, they're creating an entirely new mobile-friendly site uh, that's uh, HTML5 and uh, works I, – I, I'm assuming it's HTML5 uh, – that will work on your mobile device in the gym or on, Seth, your brand-new uh, Android tablet. You can watch those videos at linuxacademy.com. You get all of this for 19 bucks a month. The first seven days is free, so you can dip your toe in, see if you like it, no charge for the first week. If you decide to keep it $19 a month, or if you uh, buy a quarter, that's three months. It's uh, $38. So basically, you buy two months, you get a month free. Check them out. Tell them Mark sent you linuxacademy.com. Cool.
1: Yeah, and, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear they came back for another shot at sponsoring. Yeah.
0: And we appreciate their support of the Everyday Linux show and of very. the Elementary uh, Element OP Network.
1: Very, very much. And, you know, this is... Uh, I would say you know I'm speaking for my other co-host, but I put my seal, my stamp of approval on this site. I really like the direction he's going and the fact that he's willing to listen to the people that are you know paying his bills. Uh, that's awesome. Keep up the good work, and, and I hope everybody that that needs this stuff goes out and, and pays for a, a you know a couple of months subscription.
0: What I like is that they're not uh, they're not being stagnant they're adding content every day. They're well, maybe not every day. They're working on content every day. They're adding content regularly. They're updating their offerings. They're listening to their their audience and saying, hey, you know, how can we serve you better? Not a lot of companies do that.
1: Uh, and he's passionate. That's right. the thing that I liked about it. He when he was on this show and talking about it, you could hear it in his voice. He was very very passionate about doing this. And that's yep. and it just it, it goes to show, I mean, he's obviously wanting to do this full time. So let's help him help us. Yeah, there you go. Us, us being everybody who wants to learn more about Linux. And uh, I'm I'm not gonna give
0: you the URL. I'm gonna make you go look for it. Uh, but the the uh, discount URL that he gave us when he was on the show is still up. It's still working. So if you want to go back and, and do the thing there, that's a little side benefit for being an element OP listener, you can get a discount. But realistically, a discount off of twenty bucks a month. I mean, that's five f- f- five dollars a week. Um, that's uh, you know, a discount off of that. You really gotta be a cheapskate uh to to wanna do that.
2: Yeah, well, and you know, like I say, I'm I'm not just a co host, I'm an actual <laughs> user. <laughs> so uh you know my days of uh, being the gooey kid are numbered the more i uh hang out on this website uh and don't know that i'll become a command line godfather
1: but um you know I'm do you definitely, see the do you see the powers of the command line seth yeah the, the power you? of the command line
2: <laughs> the dark side is powerful and you know it is dark because it's a black screen with this <laughs> white text on it there Mine needs is to it. be more color I'm not afraid of the command line.
0: I have line. Lots of
1: color on mine. You will be. You will
2: be. <laughs> so
0: uh, just last week, actually, the night that we recorded our last episode, the Fuduntu team were getting together and deciding what they were going to do with the distro in the future. And it turns out what they're going to do is nothing. Fuduntu is, for all intents and purposes,
1: no more. Do 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 anyway, yeah, I was really sad when I read this post. um I was gonna do another thirty day spet, and I was gonna use Fiden2 as my next thirty days, so um that kind of made me sad to hear that, so um I will bow my head and and pay my respects to the Fiden2 team. I'm sure that whatever they end up do you know changing to or going to or moving to uh with or without the the leader um then that's it's going to be a good thing i just hope that they continue to forge something new regardless
0: and you know fuduntu is not the first distro to to uh to roll up its playing cards i don't know i just totally mixed metaphors right in the middle of the stream there um i did a, a search for uh, defunct linux distros and found that uh linux.wikia.com has a list of over 81 of them i'm sure that's not a, an exhaustive list either but 81 linux distros that have come and gone it's going to happen to you at some point or another you could even say um that you know Ubuntu has come and gone in that it is a far cry today from what it used to be the the product yeah. still exists but for all intents and purposes it's a whole it's different a, thing
1: it's a poison yeah. pill yeah. in my opinion <laughs> so
0: the that begs the question what do you do when your when your linux distro goes away is it inevitable will your favorite distribution go away i don't know what do you guys think
1: well, i'm sure a lot of the the mom and pop ones will eventually when the the lead whoever the leader is decides to hang up his hat and take his his name off of it um a lot of those one person distros are going to die off when they when the the head dude runs away um but there's nothing wrong with it it's just one of those things you have to be ready for which is why this is a really good topic
0: i'm sure the day will come when my beloved puppy linux will be no more uh it's already gone through great changes. Uh, it's it's becoming the the trend for distributions to be more uh, compatible with upstream resources, um, which will, will maybe help with their life cycle. You know, as long as uh, Mint has Ubuntu working on stuff, there will be a Mint probably. Um, but right. you know, these guys out there who who've totally spun off their own. Um, you know, I, I was a big fan of Mandrake. Linux back in the day. Anybody remember them?
1: Yeah, uh, I remember Mandrake. Yeah. They were, I played with them for a little bit and then got scared and ran away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, they became somebody else. I can't remember what. Uh, and, and I'm pretty sure they're gone. Uh, at least certainly by that name. Uh, but it's, it's going to happen. So, so the, it begs the question, should you just stick with the big three? The big three being uh, um, Debian yeah. And its derivatives, or Red Hat and its derivatives, or SUSE and its derivatives?
1: Well, that's, well, I wouldn't say SUSE because SUSE kind of falls under the Fedora or Red Hat team. Um, They use the same basic RPM structuring, so that would be the same system there. I would say the other one after, if you were going to Arch, Deb, and Red Hat would be the top three or the big three in my book. And Gentoo is the distant, the the distant uh, fourth cousin.
0: <laughs> fourth cousin what? What is that? Your your cousin's uh, mother's
2: uncle or something like that? Yeah. Or your college roommate? One of the two.
1: <laughs> there you go. And and the Linux ghost in the chat room says brings up BSD. Um, BSD isn't Linux. BSD right. is Unix. So that doesn't quite count. That's like a uh, Fifth cousin twice removed or something. Yeah, they yeah. they
0: they have the same grandparents, right? So yeah. they're cousins, but they're not uh, siblings,
1: right? Just to alleviate that from anybody's consciousness to thinking that Linux and Unix are the same thing. Right. They're similar, but they're not. Um, I would say, you know, the way I always look at it is, I've played with some of these other distros that have either died off or have gone in directions that I'm not comfortable going. Um, Gentoo. Uh, but uh, there, are, what I would always do is, why did you start with that distro? That's how I always look at it. Um, did, you, did you go there because of the community or did you go there because, you know, your buddy said, hey, let's go to that system and try it out? Uh, whatever the original reason you started with Unity or Unix or Linux or, Uni- or Ubuntu, Fedora, Red Hat, whatever, go off of that base thought there again. For me, when I originally started playing with Linux, it was Red Hat. So they're always going to be the ones I go back to when something fails. Uh, it, it's just, I'm, it's comfortable. That, you know. It's like that big pair of sweatpants that never want, that no one wants to get rid of because they're their, their trusty sweatpants. Um, that's where I always start with things and then move from there. Because if, if I can't get comfortable into a distro, there's no sense in me being there because I'll always be fighting the distribution to do whatever I want it to do. So right. that's where I would go. Um, if you went to Feduntu because you liked um, the community, then that's fine. Find another community that's just like it. Um, I would definitely say Fedora may not be for you. Um, the community isn't the same. Uh, it's not quite it, because it's an older community. Uh, you're not going to have the help and handholds that Feduntu had. Uh, you might be better off going to, say, somebody like Mint. Uh, and I hate to say that because I like I, I don't mint is okay their community has some trolls so be careful but most of the time mint's community is a pretty good community the next community that's similar to the Feduntu community I would say is definitely OpenSusies. Um they have a really good community uh, it's a really well documented place um, but that's my suggestions unless uh, of course you got used to the command line runs of their you know for installing packages then you better stay with a fedora based system um you might be okay running fedora and dealing with the, the some of the community issues but you know that's your guy that's your choice and i'm sure if you asked everyone would give you a different opinion
0: i think you know i that's good advice you know cause sort of going back to your roots but another thing um that that i like to to point out is just you can help mitigate that by um choosing to to familiarize yourself with a distribution that isn't likely to go away so look at let's look at some of the reasons why a dis- distribution might go away so then we can look for the opposite of those uh before we choose a distribution um lack of vision or leadership is certainly a, a reason yep. something goes away like you said there that's there's one guy running it uh that one guy gives up uh dies You know, whatever, uh, you know, and he hasn't set up a good structure that's going to go away. Maybe not right away, but it will certainly drift uh, from where you were. uh, Where you were. So you want to pick a distro that has strong leadership and a strong vision. Red Hat is an example of that. They're they're you know they're making money off of this. So their vision is to produce a solid product that they can sell support on and they can make money for. There is definite leadership there. They have you know they have a corporate um vision and a corporate uh mentality that's going to keep that thing going for a while on the other hand which well let, let me finish say, this thought okay. on the other hand if uh it becomes no longer financially viable for them they will fold up and walk away so there's a double-edged sword with in the case of red hat
1: right i wouldn't say the only thing when you're going off the strong leadership and everything else um Make sure that there is an internal strife, you know, like as you put it in the notes there. Uh, w- a recent one I would bring up is Scent. Um, the CentOS community had a little bit of internal strife and in it. I almost thought that the system was going to close its doors and run away. Um, I think they've kind of mediated all that by now, but um, that was a big... There was a lot of people worried about what was going to happen to CentOS.
2: Yeah. Um, and I with, the actual distro suffered a big hit because a lot of people did leave it because uh, yep. of the strife and they were feared of it. And so, you know, it chased some people to, uh, into red hat proper. And then just other people went scientific. off. To, yeah. yeah. One of my undeniable
0: truths of life that, uh, that I have discovered over time, I have a few of them. And, uh, one of them is without exception, people suck. <laughs> That, that is an undeniable truth of life. And, and the unfortunate reality is all of these distros are made up of people and people suck. Therefore, there will be internal strife. There well, will be I would say, trouble.
1: I would say people in large groups suck because there, how many times have you seen a community you know, be okay for a while and all of a sudden they get a couple of jerks in their yeah. community and then just whew, down it goes.
0: Yeah. No, everybody, that's, that's my rule, without exception, yeah. myself included, there are times... When I suck, it's just the way it is. Um, it's pretty much every Sunday night when I sit behind this microphone, it begins. Uh, but anyway, the so one of the things you got to look for is something that transcends people, um, and having a corporate um, driving force is certainly a way to do that. Another is is having you know a, a maniacally tight reined leader, Linus himself. You know who? Who he's a he's a colonel dictator, um, and and he's you know he's going to keep things intact, and he's going to put person, um, uh, put people under him who think like he thinks. Another guy who's who's doing that is Shuttleworth. Whether you agree with him or not, Shuttleworth has vision. The Ubuntu project isn't going to go anywhere anytime soon because Shuttleworth is going to see to it that his vision is carried out. And he's, he's already got underlings and support under him that's going to make sure that this thing keeps going if he gets hit by a bus tomorrow. So, yeah. you know, so distros that have that sort of thing going for them um, are things that you want to, to, to stake your claim on. Of course, the real benefit for a Linux geek is to be able to use them all. You know, go to linuxacademy.com and brush up on your skills and just be able to use everything. But right. for, so, yeah. the, for the home user, for for the everyday user that we're talking about, uh, you want something that's, that's going to become your you know your digital home. You got to make that choice wisely. And and pretty wallpaper is probably the number one people pick a distro, and probably the least uh, useful reason to pick a distro. So yeah. you know the the guys who are listening to this show, it's your job to go out and and um, uh, educate the people around you, your grandmas and your aunts and your uncles and your nephews. Um, and teach them how to pick a good distro, and and educate them on that, so that they can move into a digital home that's going to be there for a while. Uh, another right. thing that can cause a distro to 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 walk away, uh, which uh, is part of the reason Fadoontu, uh listed there, is lack of funds. It costs yep. money to have people working on it. It's free and it's open and all that good stuff, but there's there's always cost. I mean, if nothing else, there's just bandwidth cost for hosting the files. But if you want good quality people, you got to pay them. Programmers got to eat, as Brian uh, Lunduke likes to say. Um, So, you know that's where the Linux uh, Foundation is great. They have they pay full time programmers to work on the kernel. That's where um, uh, Fedora uh, and you know Red Hat are great because they pay people uh to work on stuff. That's where Ubuntu is great. They have paid people on staff. So that's a that's a good thing to look forward to. Um, you may like uh Solus OS and it may be great, but you you run a risk there in that they don't have a revenue model. And yep. there's there's no there's nothing really holding them together.
1: Can't say anything more to that. When you're <laughs> you know flas- lack of funds is lack of funds. The server's got to stay on. Lights have to be above the people. And if they're not there, then you don't have a distro.
0: Seth, yep. I think I and, stepped
2: on you. Were you going to say something? No, I was just, um, no, nothing that fit there. Okay. I was going to make a random off-the-wall comment. But. Oh, well, that's what you're here for. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say, you know, um, some you you can always talk about stuff is going to be forked because oh well we don't we're not going to go away we're just going to fork it into this but you know you can only kind of fork something so many times until the old truism stick a fork in it it's done comes to play (laughs) and uh so in words i yeah i I actually i thought about that before the show started and i was saving it in my bag (laughs) so uh just to pull it out but yeah no (laughs) I, i totally agree with you is that you have to support somehow and if you don't have the money to support, you know, you can become involved in the community and support Um, because it doesn't matter how great a distro is. If nobody uses a distro, well then it's going to die. And so telling people about it and getting a fresh influx of human blood is a lot of time as important as the cash blood.
0: Good. Very good. Uh, And, and the thing that the number one reason that for listed in my uh, reading of their thing there is that the the fundamental changes to the things that they were building on. So Feduntu was building on uh uh Ubuntu and trying to graft it and sort of make it Fedora like it was sort of the 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 hippie love child of Fedora and Ubuntu. Um Mint, for example, builds on on uh Ubuntu, which builds on Debian, and sometimes the, the thing upon which you are building changes so dramatically that that you can't do anything about it Mint to seeing some of that right now uh they don't like unity um so they're building you know they're working around cinnamon and and uh gnome Two, and and they're they're finding the the level of gymnastics they have to go through to put out a release each time increases um and eventually that tension there is going to cause something to break they'll either just you know uh give up and go home or start having to maintain their own code base. And when you start doing that, the, you, you start running into even more resource intensive work and it takes more money and more time and more effort. And so you, those, those are signs to me um, specifically have meant that, that their na- days are numbered because they're beginning to drift. Their uh, ideals and, and objectives are beginning to drift farther and farther from the, the, the source on which they build. And well, I, I see that say, as being a problem.
1: I wouldn't say it's a complete problem though, because the Mint team does a great job doing their work. Um, I have a feeling that what they'll do is they'll they'll do more and more stripping of the Unity st- stuff out, and be more like a a Kubuntu type idea where you know KDE is the heart and blood of Kubuntu. Um Mint yeah, will just until, be an of until
0: that. they stop using X eleven. Ubuntu stops using X11 and starts using yeah. Wayland or something like that. Then what do you do? So that that's going to happen. That's in the yep. the Ubuntu long term strategy.
1: Well, and I think there's more and more distros that are going to go to either Way, uh, Wayland in particular. Um, I read on one of the KDE blogs that they're going to start building their code to tie into either Wayland or X11. So KDE is starting to make that crossroad already. Um, so now the question is: is how long until the big three? make that shift too Um, I I need to start digging around in the the IRC logs to see where um, Fedora and Red Hat are but I'm sure they're going to be in the same boat as everyone else eventually X11 has to go away because it's so old and everyone is trying to be newer and greater and faster and leaner and Wayland is that way Um, I don't think it's the right way yet but it will get there and a lot of people are starting to make that change
0: all right. So those were just some some things that will cause that that we see as, you know, sort of harbingers of of demise for uh, an OS. So you you look you got to look for those things and look for the the opposite of those things. So right now, my recommendation to somebody coming into to Linux for the very first time ever is is going to be either Fedora or Ubuntu and just, you know, pick which one you like. Try them both, pick the one you like better. Uh, because they 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 meet all the the um the bullet points of everything you said they've the uh, we said they've got um they've got money they've got leadership they've got a future they've got a plan um you know and I say fedora instead of red hat just simply because you can get into fedora for free. But it is for all intents and purposes red Hat. And so as long so so goes red Hat, so goes Fedora. So as long as red Hat's around fedora is going to be uh, and Ubuntu uh, is built on Debian, but at this point they're a pretty major comp- uh, contributor to Debian itself. So even if Debian folded up shop, I think Ubuntu would pick up the slack there uh, and and keep running. So um, you know I, the, you can you can love or hate. Either of those, and there are certainly other distributions out there, but I think right now the long-term players are those two. What do you guys think?
1: My opinion, and mind you, this is because I don't deal with a source-driven distro, so Arch and Deb or Arch and Gentoo are going to be off my radar at this point. But I would say my top two would be Fedora or OpenSuzy uh, for basically the same things you brought up, Mark. The I like. Uh, the direction that OpenSUSE and Fedora both are going. Uh, it, it also helps that I'm part of the Fedora community, but you know that's besides the point. I've been in Fedora for so long. I, I love what they do, and, and I do like the direction that OpenSUSE goes. Those are the two distros that I balance back and forth between. Um, I was just playing with their OpenSUSE's new release on my laptop, and because of some glitches with the kernel um, modules, um, I can't run this version of OpenSUSE, but, you know, there there are benefits going either way. Just knowing that there are choices out there and picking something and trying it is the biggest key.
0: And I just gave a glowing uh, recommendation for Fedora. So let me counter that by saying I don't think they've produced a distribution that didn't suck in about the last eight years. Um, <laughs> so I'm not big on them, but I think they're going to be the most long lived.
2: Yeah, I remember the last one that we reviewed here, you know, I I almost had to like, um, just bless that computer with holy water to ever <laughs> use it again. It was so awful. And to
0: exercise the demons.
2: Yeah, because they, well, I don't know, they were getting a lot of work out with that distro, so they didn't need any exercise.
0: <laughs> but, you know, there are people who absolutely love Fedora and everything they do, and, uh, you know more power to you i'm just not one of them
1: yeah (laughs) have you guys played with 18 yet no do you guys play with 18 the spherical cow (laughs) the name makes me laugh every time i read it but yeah um i would say the spherical cow is a really good just the good release of theirs um i'm really impressed with it really yep cool (laughs) that was a
2: very unimpressed really I'll uh, I'll I'll take your word for that Um, I don't know we might you know although now that um, I think now that Fuduntu is dead I will probably throw it on a laptop and check it out now Um, (laughs) because you know it seemed like for a while there every every distro I would pick would be the one that died or had just died that I hadn't heard about so I don't know I might I might give Fuduntu a try and watch me fall in love with it. I love yeah. this. This thing.
0: is the best distro <laughs>
2: ever. Yeah. Yeah, oh, they closed. Okay. So yeah. But yeah, so I'm not going to give any recommendations for distros to survive simply because I don't want to curse them. So, um, good <laughs> luck guys. <laughs> so Seth wants you to go out and use uh, Unity.
0: <laughs> yes,
2: please. Unity above all else.
0: <laughs> um any other thoughts on this one, guys, on on how to... Uh, what do you do? We haven't said that. So what do you do when your distro dies? You can... Of course, the fact that uh, that Fuduntu isn't going to be worked on anymore doesn't mean it ceases to exist. You can keep running what you've got indefinitely. You know, that's about as good as running XP indefinitely. Eventually, um... There's so much stuff that just doesn't run on it, or there's so many uh, potential security flaws that it's just not a good idea to keep running it. The the hardware will outpace you, the software packages. And that's really the big thing. You're going to find that uh, you know you can't update to the latest version of Chrome or Firefox because it just doesn't work on your version of the kernel, and you can't update the kernel because it's incompatible with you know something else. And and you're just going to run it. You're going to find yourself mired in quicksand eventually. But that could be Three or four years. You could use uh, Fuduntu on the the computer you're using for as long as that computer lives, most likely.
2: Well, and you can also, even though, you know, I know people don't like to play things that aren't web connected, but there's tons of software out there, not just games, but apps that you can get and download. And just because they're on version 58, that doesn't mean version 10 doesn't work. It just, you know, it won't do everything the other one can. But, you know, just because something old, it doesn't necessarily mean you throw it away. You know, as much as Apple wants you to believe that you can't use anything old, there's lots, of, there's lots of uses out there. And for a starter computer, you know, you got an old computer lying around and you want to give your kid to beat up and learn how to use a computer. Well, then you could throw an old distro on it that they can't get online and can't do things with, but they can learn about computing. So... You know, in a, if in a situation like that, you don't want them to get online and you know destroy their life and destroy your home network. Well, then a dead distro might be the thing to do.
0: All right, so uh, you you don't have to run away yet, just because uh, Fuduntu isn't and and somebody may pick up the gauntlet. Maybe I mean everything they did is open source, right? Right. So somebody out there could pick it up and run with it. It's not likely. It was um, a niche market anyway yeah um Mm -hmm. and stick a fork in it; it is done (laughs) so so you don't necessarily have to run away but i would say you're you know the clock is now ticking
1: yeah Um, you need to you need a plan on moving
0: uh so you know you you're gonna you got to move on at some point so you know start looking down the line um, at some of these other things, and when when you start making a decision, look at some of these things that we've mentioned. You know, dig into, and this is something almost nobody does. When they're trying out a new distro, they don't look at the infrastructure behind it. They don't they don't look at the is is there leadership? Is there internal strife? Literally, what they look at is is it pretty and will it run on my hardware? Um, and that's why there are you know eighty one distros listed in that uh, defunct distro page on, on wikia.com uh, because people spun these things up without any ability to keep them going. Um, and it was popular enough that uh, that people used it, but they, they couldn't keep it. And if you're, a, if you're a distro hopper, if you're like Seth, who, who throws a different one on every six weeks, then you're not going to care. But, you know, that's not how I work. I like to move into something and stick with it. And, and that, yeah. you know, and, you know, I'm going to move with Ubuntu as Ubuntu moves because I'm an Ubuntu guy or, or I'm going to stick with CentOS or whatever it is. Um, but you know, you've got to, you've got to make more intelligent decisions if you want them to be long lasting. Yeah. But here's a question. Right. Should we be looking for long lasting, should we have loyalty to distros? That's, that's well, a, that's sort of a, a, a thought grenade.
1: Yeah, that is, um. You know, and, that's, and that also brings to the point of how long is a desktop operating system going to matter? You know, with all the stuff starting to be shoved into the cloud, like you were talking about before, Mark, and the tablification of everything, um, is this going to be, is this a, a numbered day for desktops anyway? Um, I'm sure... Eventually someday many years from now it might be, you know, oh, you're running a desktop? You know, why are you running a desktop? You know, that that'll be the thought. Yeah, but I but, think
0: we got at least a decade before we're there.
1: Oh, it, well, there's a lot of backbone infrastructure that has to be brought up before that could even come into play. Um, especially in places like in Montana where in bandwidth. Is a, Texas. <laughs> where bandwidth is a is a is a luxury. Um you know, that that living in the cloud just isn't an opportunity for me. Uh, what is
2: this B word you speak of and how do I get some?
1: <laughs> well, exactly. Um, for the price I'm paying, I know people in Montana, but just on the other side of the state, that get 10 times what I get for the same price. How's that work? Just, anyway. just. To,
0: this is a total aside, but I, I meant to mention it earlier when Seth was talking about the salt festival, where Seth lives. They don't have a lot, but they do have salt. He lives on the largest salt deposit in the North American continent. Um, and, and yes, uh, so you you don't have bandwidth,
2: but you got salt. That's right. And, and lots unfortunately. And lots. You know, there was a time when people were paid in salt, and I guess there'll be coming a time where people will be paid in bandwidth. <laughs> I just got a raise
0: to two gigabits. I'm so excited!
1: <laughs> Woohoo! I'll be able to watch that movie finally.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, my I, I was. This is an interesting conversation that I was having with Aaron, um, former host of the show. We were. Uh, he was showing me a series of uh youtube videos one day at launch he was like have you seen this one this is really funny um and we were all watching them on my phone and he stopped and said you do have unlimited bandwidth don't you uh, on your phone and i said no so like, oh maybe we shouldn't be doing this anymore but it's it's funny because those you do have those conversations he's on verizon i think and he has the unlimited plan and i'm on at&t and i have the highly limited plan um and and it was just it just made me laugh that that was one of those things it used to be you know are you a mac or a pc now it's are you unlimited or are you tiered yeah i know you didn't think that was as funny as i did it sounded much funnier in my head before yeah. i said it once it came out through the microphone into my headphones i didn't think it was funny anymore either
1: oh uh, that and i was reading the chat room so i wasn't 100% <laughs> paying attention with you either so
0: so anyway um so where do you go from here if you're feduntu user Um you don't have to go anywhere right away but start looking at the things that ha- the the distros that have the things you love about feduntu but also has some stability. So uh Chris what were some of the things that you liked about feduntu?
1: Well, I was really intrigued with the fact that they were pushing their gnome too um and they didn't they they weren't buckling under the uh pressure to say go to mint or not mint, but mate or, uh, cinnamon or any of the other derivatives for the gnome two replacement, they were actually running on gnome two. Uh, I wanted to see how stable that would be on a brand new laptop or a brand new desktop. You know, would there be screen tearing issues? Would there be issues that would be a broken laptop or a broken environment for me? Um, I'm one of those type of people that I push in, on distros until I make them break, uh, you know. Opening up 150 and YouTube and then you videos. whine about the
0: fact that they broke.
1: No, no, I don't whine. I file oh, bugs. And, Chris, and I've and known you for it,
0: years. Yes, you whine.
1: <laughs> well, I like. I don't. I don't whine. I like my beer. <laughs> Chris, you whine. <laughs> so I'm anyway, like but, in the chat
2: room aren't saying that yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Gee, thanks, guys. I, I love y'all too. But no, I, I'm one of those people that I push on things until I can't until they break and then i let people know that hey when you open up 150 youtube videos flash breaks and it breaks everything just in case you didn't know that at least for my dell laptop 150 youtube videos x breaks flash breaks and the whole system goes down hard
2: that's why you download them with something (laughs) like video (laughs) download helper and access
1: them later but the point is, is that's the type of person, that's the type of user I am. Um, I, I push things until I until they break down, and then, uh, I look for, you know, for stability in somewhere sh- just short of being broken. Uh, which is one of the reasons I always go back to Fedora, is it for how unstable some of their distributions have been. Uh, with the way I push on things, they usually end up winning that battle in my in my realm. So. That's how I always look at things, and when I look at, you know, if Fedora were to close their doors tomorrow and say you have 90 days until end of life and you can't get any more Fedora updates, I would be doing the same thing, but I I don't think I'd be talking with you guys right now. I'd be pushing on distros to see which one can handle my loads.
0: By the way, I just looked, and uh, on our website, episode one of this show was uh, posted on April 5th, 2011. So somewhere in there, we turned two years old and didn't even mention it.
1: Wow! <laughs> Happy birthday to us! Yes. <laughs> so anyway,
0: uh, any other thoughts about what to do when when <laughs> uh, when your distro goes away? Uh, Daudel said in the chat I didn't know this that Solus OS uh, is is blowing up and starting over, and SynArch is doing the same thing. So it's uh, <laughs> tis the season, apparently.
1: <laughs> Fun.
0: I know uh, Steve McLaughlin, the door-to-door geek, is a big fan of Solus OS, and uh, I haven't heard him talk about the fact that it's it's a restructuring. But uh, that that sort of thing is going to happen.
1: Wasn't Solus based on Solaris? I don't know. So I thought I thought so. But anyway,
0: all right. Any other comments before we uh, move on?
1: Uh, the only thing I'll bring up, and it's just a. a- a little shot in the ribs for everybody who runs the uh i don't remember what it's called where you have the way the default thing for fedora um but always have a separate home partition that's a wonderful wonderful thing if you're because if you're a distro hopper or not a home partition that is separate from everything else will save you more often than not
0: yeah we've offered that advice many times and and we will continue to because yes absolutely uh I will say at this point, this is where you should let us know what you think. What do you what did we leave out? Um what did you what do you disagree with? What would you do if your favorite distribution dried up and went away? Uh let us know at uh, elementop.com, use the contact us button at the top of the page, or just send an email to E-D-A-L-E-E-D-A-L. I suddenly became a Texan all of a sudden. Uh ed- all over again. EDL at com. EDL for everyday Linux, and that will go to us. Or you can um use the leave us a voicemail widget at the top of the page at elementop.com. Uh or if you're just out driving around as you listen to this, uh dial pick up the phone and dial am o p anywhere in the in the, the continental North America, uh and and it'll work. Um so having said that, Chris. What is your command line tip of the week? Uh,
1: The command line tip of the week is because of me moving back to Fedora and after my last 30 days and being comfortable again, I ran into a little glitch with repositories. Um, So I ended up having to use a couple of switches that um, I haven't used in for a very long time. But when you're in the command line with Yum, they do have the clean all and check all switches for Yum to do a a check and it will obviously check all would be to check all your packages, make sure they match the ones that are up on the repositories. Clean all does, you know, just what it says it does. It cleans out all the, the Delta packages and anything that you've cached locally. So that way you can re-download all the, uh, checksums and everything else that, that yum brings down. And then the last one is yum upgrade. Uh, that one is obvious. It's just like the one I brought up a couple of weeks ago for, uh, with, uh, was it zipper d u p to uh, trans to transcend repositories? So if you have, or that was was it Ubuntu last week that I brought that up with? Now
0: you did uh, dist update. Last
1: yeah, week. The, the, the same idea yeah. with, is what Yum upgrade is. It's the same basic idea. It will transcend repositories to get you the most latest version, even if it's not in your main repository, but it's in one that you've already have in. Um, they're all they're they're nice switches to have. Obviously, uh, the upgrade be careful with because if it upgrades you to a broken package, um, don't say I didn't warn you. But the check all and clean all is a, are safe ones to work to run. All they do is they obviously, like I said, clean or check your packages. and
0: if you're wondering about all these uh, repositories that we're talking about, uh, and you don't know what I'm talking about. We did an episode on that. I think all the way back in like episode two or three. We talked about Ooh, installing yeah. uh, distribute uh, 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 repos, repositories, uh, and and whether or not it's safe to do uh, external repositories and that sort of thing. So, if you really want a a, 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 a trip in the Wayback Machine, I think that was back when Josh Reitz was was still with us, and and before Seth even. Um, anyway, the, the information is still good, even if they. Recording quality wasn't. And uh, just a bit of trivia, YUM stands for Yellow Dog Updater Modified. So Yellow Dog Linux invented the Yellow Dog Updater, um, yep. and then uh, it was appropriated and became Yellow Dog Updater Modified or YUM.
1: Uh, you know, I should go back and look. It does Does anyone know off the top of their head, off the cuff, does anyone know if Yellow Dog is still exi- in existence?
0: I don't know, but I bet Google does. And I'll look it up while Seth is telling us about his link of the week.
2: Dude, I scoured the web long and hard, and I came up with, um, with a good link that I think lots of people will love. And you can go to the Klingon Language Institute and uh, KLI.org. And the link will be in the show notes, but uh, KLI.org. And you can learn all about the history of the Klingon language as well as subscribe to there's a magazine that is still in print. Uh, I was I was surprised. And I found this website exists from the 1990s. And so it really, they haven't updated the look of the website, but I was all through it today. And I only found one bad link. So you can go there and there's like an English to Klingon dictionary on him on uh, common phrases and stuff you can even purchase some uh like hamlet in the original klingon uh as, <laughs> in as the original well.
0: klingon that's a, that's a quote from the movie yes
2: yes um and i'm also going to put in there you can if you own a kindle or you know if you like the kindle version of ebooks you can get the klingon language version of the world english bible psalms uh, for uh, for just a dollar and uh what made me think about this is i remember many years ago paramount commissioned a and they did this kind of a tie-in to one of the star trek movies from way back when or it might have been one of the series launches but they commissioned a translation of the king james version of the bible into klingon but because they're the ones who commissioned it rather than like the the guy who actually invented klingon um it kind of it never went anywhere, so um, I was really looking forward to buying a Klingon language Bible, just because I thought it would be cool. And I remember one of the problems with the Bible is there's no Klingon word for God, so they were going to use "Great Lord." Um, anyway, it's just some when random that, bit of trivia. Yeah, but.
0: well, when they were doing the Hamlet, they created the Klingon language specifically without the verb to be, so they had right. to do a, the the soliloquy "to be or not to be," and that was a challenge.
2: Right. But yeah, so anyway, Klingon Language Institute, kli.org and uh Mark, you can translate this to um the slash but for it's only a dollar if you have a Kindle, you can buy Psalms in the uh, in the Klingon. <laughs> so, um Does I it just, come uh, with a pronunciation guide? You know, I I don't know. I I haven't looked at that yet. So, uh but yeah, it looks like I mean, it looks like Klingon to me I would not know how to pronounce any of it. So, um <laughs>
1: You know, I I think this is kind of funny. Did um, on the site it has a page counter, and I noticed uh-huh. that the hits, you know, the total times it's been a lot. You know, the site's been alive and everything, but the hits today, it says it's been hit two thousand five hundred thirty-one times. Now, the the question I bring up is, why is this site getting that much traffic <laughs> in one day? Honestly,
2: really, dude, you can go to um, you can go and get a list of people like in email addresses of people who are members of the Klingon Language Institute. Um, and it'll be a, it'll show a world map. You know, it won't give street address or anything, but it'll show a world map of the countries they're from. So, uh, Chris, what, and, what
0: you didn't know, because you didn't check it out earlier, is before we started talking about it, that hit counter was at three. So right. 2,500 oh, people oh. there went there because we started talking about it.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Just, just check in there, because that, that blew me away. I pulled up that page, and I'm like, what? 2,500
0: people? Really? No, I'm Just sorry. I misspoke. That awesome? We incremented it by three. Sorry, I, I, <laughs> I got that backwards. <laughs> uh, by the way, according to stream, anonymous strangers on the internet, uh, Yellow Dog Linux is listed as active on the Wikipedia page, but the latest stable release was uh, June 29th 2009. So I'm not sure how active you could call that.
1: Well, when I pulled up their site, Um, The copyright logo at the bottom of their page is copyrighted to 2010. So, I don't know if they're still alive. Um, Their current distribution that they release says it's kernel 2632. So, I don't think they're very active anymore.
0: So, the problem is they didn't learn to speak Klingon. If only they had released Yellow Dog Klingon version.
1: There it is. Right there. There you go.
0: All right, I think that's it. Um we've we've hit our requisite hour and a half here lately. I, I, we haven't done a show under that in a while. Um it's not not on purpose, by the way. Uh thanks for being with us folks. We we appreciate the uh the chatter in the chat room, hence the name chat room.
1: Um, bring more people next time. That's right. The more the merrier.
0: Uh so we, we we like to like it when you listen live, which happens every Sunday night at uh, roughly eight PM Eastern time. Um what is that, five PM Pacific and I, I don't know, Greenwich, it's uh UTC would be six hours six, ahead of central So twenty one yeah. uh twenty, 20 one UTC, I think. I don't know. I, I stink at that. Um
2: it's it's but, Eastern time for me cuz that's where I live. And it's going to be different next week though because we are moving the recording to Saturday.
0: Oh, thank you. Yes, programming note. Uh next week we'll be recording on Saturday. We'll still release in the feed on Wednesday. It'll still be there. Um by the way, uh just this is both uh I can't believe it and Wow, that's kind of cool and you know, uh at the same time. Uh I when i posted i have a little script that schedules these things so we record it on sunday i usually edit it monday throw it in my my little uh batch thing and it releases on wednesday i could release it on tuesday or even monday night but i like things to to be scheduled i mistyped the url on this one and uh it didn't release wednesday morning so by the time i uh checked my email it's one of the first things i do in the morning Uh, when i get up so i got up at at about five o'clock my time and you know did the shower thing and and then and so i'm checking my email on my phone uh before i head out to work i had two emails a tweet and a facebook post saying hey the show's not up now i think that's really cool but at the same (laughs) time good grief people i just i hadn't even put my shoes on yet
1: um, <laughs> That's awesome, though that people yeah. are 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 wanting us that bad. That's awesome. Keep yeah, it up. Well, guys. You know,
0: the people who live in in the you know the UK or or uh, other parts of the world, it's you know midday or even the end of the day for them, uh, and so it's, or it's, it's night owls, right? Uh, but for for me, it was you know it was like six, six less than six o'clock in the morning. Um, I was still sleeping. Yeah, and I'm I'm up. Yeah, three o'clock in the morning for you, Chris. Um, Four. Yeah, you're two hours behind. Anyway, uh, so, you know, I, I I just, I hadn't, literally, I hadn't even put my shoes on yet, but I was able to go in, fix the typo, everything was fine. But I well, I appreciate that kind of um, anxiousness out of the audience. It made me feel good, and at the same time, it made me feel like, oh my gosh, uh, what, what have I gotten myself into? Um, so anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for being passionate about it. And do us a favor, uh, tell everybody you know about it. And um, that's really how you could help us the most. If you sell a product or a service and you'd like to uh, advertise like the Linux dot com has done, uh, we would certainly like to hear about that. My rates are certainly very reasonable. And I think um, Anthony would tell you that uh, they're worthwhile. At least he came back. So um, we would love to hear you do that. And again, I know how painful this is, but please go to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review.
2: And if somebody knows how to um, do the iTunes thing without a credit card, let me know because the link I found on their website did not work. So um, I I have iTunes on a computer and before I destroy that computer, I I want to go in and rate our podcast, but I'm not going to give them a credit card because I hate them with a passion that will survive long after my death um so anyway i I
0: never gave him a credit card but i've had my account for a long time since
2: before the iphone so right um, and but yeah i went to try to create a new one and i even found a web page that told you how to do it and when i went to do it it told me to enter a credit card number to get to that page and i was like but i don't want to so if you're somebody out there and you know how to do it give us an email at um Email us at everyedl@elmop.com so I can, you know, pump up the numbers some.
0: But if you're if you're not an iTunes person, there's Stitcher Radio and uh, oh gosh, lots of other stuff out there. Wherever you get it from, give us a rating. Let people know. I appreciate it. Plus, want us like us on Facebook. Anything you can do to spread the word, I, I want to be the number one search when you type in Linux podcast. Uh, right now, we're on the second page. That's not acceptable. I want to be at That's, the top. Thanks. Uh, come on. I, in iTunes, yeah, in iTunes. if you do a search for Linux podcast, uh, we come up on the second page. We can do better than that, folks. We have uh, thousands of people who listen to this show. There's no excuse that we can't at least be on the front. I'm not asking to be number one. I'm not asking to, to take over going Linux or the Linux outlaws. I just want to be on the first page. Surely we can do that. So, anyway, that's enough of my preaching. Thanks for uh, being a listener, guys. Thanks for being with us. And I'm going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux.